In the last part of business level strategies in this video, I'll tell you about Blue Ocean strategy. We talked about cost leadership and differentiation strategies. To be successful, according to Porter, we introduced a systematic way to look at strategies in three broader paths, cost reduction, value improvement, and doing both. Companies need to select and focus on one of the three preceding courses of action, and then rigorously pursue its application. He notes, successfully executing each generic strategy involves different resources and strengths, organizational arrangements, and managerial style. Rarely is a firm suited for all three. Why Porter says rarely? Why is it difficult to pursue an integration strategy? Most of the time, actions and resources that are required to pursue a low-cost low leadership strategy contradicts with the ones necessary to adopt differentiation strategy. When you want to increase the quality or service of your value propositions, you more probably end up with increasing your costs. The cost declining um, steps taken for cost leadership strategy may similarly work against increasing the variety, quality, or amount of value propositions that serve for differentiation objectives. Therefore, following both strategies at the same time, what we call integration strategy, is very difficult and risky. Many firms that attempt to pursue an integration strategy mostly fail because they end up being stuck in the middle. They succeed at neither a differentiation nor a cost leadership strategy. In a world of such strategic trade-offs, increasing value and lowering costs have opposite effects. Getting stuck in the middle is a pretty unhappy place to be for your firm. Your products are not different enough to willing to pay more, but also they are not cheap enough for your customers to choose you from your bargain prices. You are left without any clear, unique value for customers who you are trying to convince. So it is usually wise to choose one and stick with it. This is what Porter is trying to say when he tells that rarely any firm is suitable for all three at the same time. So he advises firms to select and focus on one of the three preceding courses of action and then rigorously pursue its application. All we have discussed so far was about competition, competitive strategy, Porter's five competitive forces. By explaining all competitive forces, the company chooses from one of the four generic strategies and try to compete with others. Today, one hardly talks about strategy without using the language of competition. The term that best symbolizes this is competitive advantage. To sustain themselves in the marketplace, practitioners of strategy focus on building advantages over the, over the competition or competitors, usually by assessing what competitors do and striving to do it better than them. Here, grabbing a bigger share of the market is also seen as a zero-sum game in which one company's gain is achieved at another company's loss. Competition is at the core of strategy. But should it be? Of course, competition matters. But still, 
Is it possible not to compete? Making the competition irrelevant by creating a new market space where there are no competitors? So what we call making the competition irrelevant, what we call this strategy is a blue ocean strategy. So let's talk about it. Imagine a market universe composed of two sorts of oceans, red oceans and blue oceans. Red oceans represent all the industries in existence today. This is the known market space. Blue oceans denote, denote all the industries not in existence today. This is the unknown market space. In the red oceans, industry boundaries are defined and accepted and the competitive rules of the game are known. Here, companies try to outperform their rivals to grab a greater share of existing demand. The dominant focus of strategy work over the past 25 years has been on competition-based red ocean strategies. As the market space of red oceans gets crowded, prospects for profits and growth are reduced. Products become commodities, and cutthroat competition turns the red ocean bloody. Hence, we use the term red oceans. Blue oceans, in contrast, are defined by untapped market space, demand creation, and opportunity for highly profitable growth. In blue oceans, competition is irrelevant because the rules of the game are waiting to be set. The term blue ocean is an analogy to describe the wider potential of market space that is vast, deep, and not yet explored. It will always be important to navigate successfully in the red ocean by out-competing rivals. Red oceans will always matter and will always be a fact of business life. However, with supply exceeding demand in more industries, competing for a share of contracting markets while necessary will not be sufficient to sustain high performance. Companies need to go beyond competing in established industries to seize new profit and growth opportunities. They also need to create blue oceans. There are several driving forces behind a rising imperative to create blue oceans. Accelerated technological advances have substantially improved industrial productivity and have allowed suppliers to produce an unprecedented array of products and services. The trend toward globalization compounds the situation. As the trade barriers between nations and regions fall and information on products and prices becomes instantly and globally available, niche markets and monopoly havens are continuing to disappear. At the same time, there is little evidence of any increase in demand, at least in the developed markets, where recent United Nations statistics even point to declining populations. The result is that in more and more industries, supply is overtaking demand. This situation has inevitably hastened the commoditization of products and services, stock priced, uh, price wars, and shrunk profit margins. According to a recent study, major American brands in a variety of product and service categories have become more and more alike. And as brands become more similar, people increasingly base purchase choices on price. People no longer insist, as in the past, that their laundry detergent be tied, nor do they necessarily stick to Colgate 
when there is a special promotion for Cress and vice versa. In overcrowded industries, differentiating brands becomes harder both in economic upturns and in downturns. All this suggests that Red Oceans become increasingly bloody and management will need to be more concerned with blue oceans. How to create new blue ocean spaces to reconcile the trade-off between cost reduction and differentiation lies in value innovation. Value innovation makes the competition irrelevant because your company offers different value propositions. You can do these by following a set of actions, including eliminating and reducing, as well as raising and creating. Value innovation can be accomplished by simultaneously pursuing differentiation and low cost. To lower costs, you need to decide which of the factors that the industry takes for granted should be eliminated, and which of the factors should be reduced well below the industry's standard. In order to increase perceived customer benefits, you gotta be thinking about which of the factors should be raised well above the industry's standards, and which factors should be created that the industry has never offered. In an attempt to understand the tools and frameworks for formulation of a blue ocean strategy, I'll exemplify US wine industry. The United States has the third largest aggregate consumption of wine worldwide. Yet the 20 million, $20 billion industry is intensely competitive. California wines dominated domestic market, capturing two thirds of all US wine sales. These wines compete head to head with imported wines from France, Italy, and Spain, and New World wines from countries such as Chile, Australia, and Argentina, which have increasingly targeted the US market. Yet the US consumer base has essentially remained stagnant. The United States remains stuck at 33rd um, place in the world per capita wine consumption. The intense um, competition has fueled ongoing industry consolidation. The top eight companies produce more than 75% of the wine in the United States and estimated 1,600 other wineries produce the remaining 25%. There is a simultaneous consolidation of retailers, retailers and distributors across the United States, something that raises their bargaining power against the plethora of winemakers. In short, the U.S. wine industry faces intense competition, mounting price pressure, increasing bargaining power on the part of retail and distribution channels, and flat demand despite overwhelming choice. Following conventional strategic thinking, the industry is hardly attractive. For strategists, the critical question is then, how do you break out of this red ocean of bloody competition to make the competition irrelevant? How do you open up and capture a blue ocean of uncontested market space? Let's look at the strategy canvas of the US wine industry. This captures the oldest state of play in, in the industry. There were seven principal factors that shaped the wine industry in the United States. Price per bottle of wine, an elite image in, in packaging, 
including labels and a terminology to stress the art of winemaking, marketing efforts, aging quality of wine, the prestige of a wine's vineyard and its legacy, the complexity and sophistication of a wine's taste, a diverse range of wines to cover all varieties of grapes and consumer preferences. The vertical axis of the strategy canvas captures the offering level that buyers receive across all of these key competing factors. A high score means that a company offers buyers more and um, hence invests more in that factor. In the case of price, a higher score indicates a higher price. As you can see from this figure, Although more than 1,600 wineries participate in the U.S. wine industry, from the buyer's point of view, there is enormous convergence in their value curves. The value curves of premium and the low-cost wines share the same basic line. Then premium brand wines are plotted on the strategy canvas. We discovered they offer a high price and present a high level of offerings across all of the key competing factors. Their strategic profile follows a classic differentiation strategy. On the other hand, budget wines also have the same essential strategic profile. Their price is low, as is their offering across all the key competing factors. These are classic low-cost players. In this bloody red ocean, it won't work to benchmark competitors and try to outcompete them by offering a little more for a little less. So in order to fundamentally shift the strategy canvas of an industry, a company must begin by reorienting its, um, reorienting its strategic focus from competitors to alternatives and from customers to non-customers of the industry. By looking across alternatives, however, Casella Wines, an Australian winery, refined the problem, redefined the problem of the wine industry to a new one. How to make a fun and easy to enjoy wine for everyday use. In looking at the demand side of the industry alternatives of beer, spirits, and ready-to-drink cocktails, which captured three times as many US consumer alcohol sales as wine, Casella Wines found that the mass of American adults saw wine as a turnoff, while the non-customers outnumbered the customers of three to one, the industry, so focused on competition, had ignored this population. By looking to industry alternatives and non-customers, Casella learned that the complexity of wine's taste created flavor, challenges for the average person. With this insight, Casella Wines explored how to redraw the strategic profile of the U.S. wine industry to create a blue ocean. Casella Wines created Yellowtail, a wine whose strategic profile broke from the competition and created a blue ocean. Instead of offering wine as a wine, Casella created a social drink accessible to everyone beer drinkers, cocktail drinkers, and other drinkers for non-wine beverages. The wine was soft in taste and approachable like ready-to-drink cocktails and beer, and it had upfront primary flavors. 
The smooth freedness of the wine also kept people's palate fresher, allowing them to enjoy another glass of wine without thinking about it. The result was an easy drinking wine that did not require years to develop an appreciation for. In line with the simple Frida sweetness, Yellowtail dramatically reduced and eliminated all the factors the wine industry had long competed on. Oak complexity and aging in crafting fine wine, whether it was for the premium or the budget segment. With the need for aging eliminated, the needed working capital for aging wine at Casella Wines was also reduced, creating a faster payback for the wine produced. Wine retailers in the United States offered buyers aisles of wine varieties, but to the general consumer, the choice was overwhelming and intimidating. The bottles looked the same, labels were complicated with analogical terminology, and Yellowtail changed all that by creating ease of selection. It dramatically reduced the range of wines offered, creating only two, Cardone, the most popular white uh, wine in the United States, and a red Shiraz. It removed all technical jargon from the bottles and created instead a, a striking, simple, and non-traditional label featuring a kangaroo. Yellowtail also hit a home run in ease of selection when it made retail shop employees the ambassadors of Yellowtail by giving them Australian outback clothing, including Bushman's hats and oil skin jackets to wear at work. The retail employees were inspired by the branded clothing and having a wine they themselves did not feel intimidated by and recommendations to buy Yellowtail flew out of their mouths. In, in short, it was fun to recommend Yellowtail. In the space of two years, the fun social drink Yellowtail emerged as the fastest growing brand in the histories of both the Australian and the US wine industries. And the number one imported wine into the United States, surpassing the wines of France and Italy. By August 2003, it was the number one red wine sold in the United States, outstripping California labels. Yellowtail, leapfrogged tall competitors with no promotional campaign, mass media, or consumer advertising. It didn't simply steal sales from competitors, it grew the market, pulling in more than 6 million new customers. Yellowtail brought non-wine drinkers, beer and ready-to-drink cocktail consumers into the wine market. Here we can graphically compare the Yellowtail's Blue Ocean strategy with the more than with the more than 1,600 wineries competing in the United States. As shown in this figure, Yellowtail's value curve stands apart. By looking at the alternatives of beer and ready-to-drink cocktails and thinking in terms of non-customers, Casella Wine has created three new factors in the US wine industry: easy drinking easy to select and fun and adventure. And it eliminated or reduced everything else. Casella Wines acted on all four actions, eliminate, reduce, raise, and create. So it unlocked uncontested 
market space that changed the face of the U.S. wine industry in, in a span of just two years. Let's examine another example, uh, IKEA. The international furniture retailer IKEA has also used value innovation based on the eliminate, reduce, raise, create um, framework to initiate its own blue ocean and to achieve a sustainable competitive advantage. IKEA eliminated several taken for granted competitive elements, salespeople, expensive but small retail outlets in prime urban locations and shopping malls, long wait uh, after ordering furniture, after sales service and other factors. In contrast, IKEA displays its products in a warehouse-like setting, thus reducing inventory costs. Customers serve themselves and then transport the furniture to their homes in IKEA's signature flat packs for assembly. IKEA also uses the big box um, concept of locating supersized stores near major metropolitan areas. Because of its do-it-yourself business model from furniture selection, transporting it home and assembly, IKEA drastically reduced the need for staff in its mega stores. Strolling through an IKEA store, you encounter few employees. IKEA also reduced several other, several other taken for granted competitive elements. 25 year warranties on high end custom furniture, high degree of customization in selection of options such as different fabrics and patterns, and use of expensive materials such as leather or hardwoods, among other elements. On the other hand, IKEA raised several competitive elements. It offers ten of tens of thousands of home furnishing items in each of its big box stores versus a few hundred at best in traditional furniture stores. It also offers more than furniture, including a range of accessories such as placemats, laptop stands, and much more. Each store has hundreds of rooms fully decorated with all sorts of IKEA items, each with a detailed tag explaining the item in detail. Moreover, Rather than sourcing its furniture from wholesalers or other furniture makers, IKEA manufactures all its furniture at fully dedicated suppliers, thus um, tightly controlling the design, quality, functionality, and cost of each product. IKEA also raised the customer experience by laying out its source in such a way that customers see and can touch basically all of IKEA's products, from wine glasses to bookshelves. IKEA created a new way for people to shop for a furniture. The customer strolls through a predetermined path, winding through the fully furnished showrooms. She can compare, test, and touch all the things in the showroom. The customer has also 90 days to return items for a full refund. Um, on the other hand, in traditional furniture shopping, the customer visits a small retail outlet where salespeople swarm around him. After a purchase, the customer has to wait generally a few weeks before the furniture is shipped to his house. This is because many furniture makers do not produce items such as expensive leather sofas unless they are paid for in advance. Finely crafted couches and chairs cost thousands of dollars while IKEA's fabric couches retail for $399. When shopping at a traditional furniture store, the customer also pays for delivery of the furniture. 
IK also created several other new competitive elements that allow it for that allow it to offer more value to its customers. It provides on-site childcare. It features a restaurant offering delicious food options, including Swedish um, salmon at low prices. Stores have convenient and ample parking, often in garages under the store, where escalators bring customers directly into the showrooms. So taking all these together with all these steps to eliminate, reduce, raise, and create, IK orchestrates different inter internal value chain activities to reconcile the tension between differentiation and cost leadership in order to create a unique market space. IK uses innovation in multiple dimensions in furniture design, engineering, and store design to solve the trade-offs between value creation and product and production cost. An IKEA executive highlights the difficulty as follows. Designing beautiful but expensive products is easy. Designing beautiful products that are inexpensive and functional is a huge challenge. IKEA leverages its um, deep design and engineering expertise to offer furniture that is stylish and functional and that can be easily assembled by the customer. In this way, IKEA can purchase a blue ocean, can pursue a blue ocean strategy based on value innovation to increase the perceived value of its products while simultaneously lowering its cost and offering competitive prices. It opened up a new market serving a younger demographic than traditional furniture stores. Then young people the world over um, move into, when young people uh, all over the world move into their own apartment or house, they frequently furnish it from IKEA. In some, perhaps the most important feature of Blue Ocean strategy is that it rejects the fundamental tenet of conventional strategy, which is a trade-off between value and cost. According to this thesis, companies can either create greater value for customers at a higher cost, or create reasonable value at a lower cost. In other words, strategy is essentially a choice between differentiation and low cost. But when it comes to creating blue oceans, the evidence shows that successful companies pursue differentiation and low cost simultaneously. I want to complete chapter six lecture series with a brief reminder. Please come to next class having taken the BCG inter interactive interview on airline case by using this link. You can take it several times as you wish, as it is an interactive interview. Each time you pick a different answer, it will direct you to a different question forward. I want to listen your experience on the interview. How did you approach the questions? Why? What were your mistakes or weaknesses? How was this experience helpful? Here is how you're going to view the case on the website. When you click on the link, you will be navigated to the BCG's website. To take the airline case, please click on Start.